couple of weeks ago, uh, I wasn't here, and Arthur taught about circumcision. And uh, I thought I'd do the same thing. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about circumcision, but I want to talk about New Testament circumcision. So let's begin in Genesis. <laughs> Genesis chapter 17 and verses 10 and 11, we find this. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your seed after you. Every man-child among you shall be circumcised, and you shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant between me and you. God established circumcision as a token of the covenant he made with Abraham. And I think you heard about this concept of a token two weeks ago. It is the indication of the authenticity of something. A token. The indication of the authenticity of something. It's the word used in the Genesis account of Noah to explain the rainbow that appeared after the flood. I have to thank Arthur for that tidbit. It was in the recounting of his message that I got that. And uh, indeed, it's, it's there. Paul uses the Greek word in 2 Thessalonians 3.17. And there we find this. The salutation of Paul with my own hand, which is the token in every epistle, so I write. Which is, uh, it is also used in John when he's talking about the miracles that Jesus performed as signs. That's that same Greek word. Now how can I say that that Greek word matches up with the Hebrew word? Well, the reason is because we have this thing called the Septuagint or the LXX, which is the Greek Bible, the whole Bible written in Greek. Even the Hebrew part it was translated to Greek. And in that Greek version of the Bible, that same Greek word is used to translate token in those Old Testament contexts. So we can see that there's a transition, uh, that we can see that that's the same meaning that they, they brought out there. In Luke 2.21, we read this, And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now, we're going to be talking here about this concept of a token, this sign of authenticity. We're going to talk about this idea of this is, you know, how Paul writes his letters and he puts, he puts his own signature on there. That's his token, so you know it's a valid thing that came from him. This idea of the token is important. Now Jesus here, we read in Luke, was circumcised on the eighth day. I find this verse remarkable. Jesus is God in human flesh. Philippians 2, 7 and 8 tells us this, that He made Himself of no reputation, that He took upon Himself the form of a servant. It says that He humbled Himself, and this verse shows that in stark relief. Jesus, the Messiah, the God of the universe, through whom everything that exists was created, including us, allowed himself to be subjected to physical circumcision. 
He came to us totally dependent upon us for his survival. And he was treated exactly as we are treated, no exceptions. That's an amazing thing. You know, you think about God appearing, you think about this idea of the eastern sky splitting open and everybody in the world seeing him in radiant power and glory. This is how we think gods appear. Right? Any kind of a god needs to come with power, except for our God, who came depending upon his own creation for his survival. I mean, think about it. He was a baby. What can babies do? Well, there's a couple things they can do. Neither of them are very good. <laughs> but that's what he did. And on the eighth day, the creatures <laughs> took God in flesh and circumcised him. Circumcision under the Old Covenant was established as a sign or a token of God's covenant promise. For the Hebrews, the Israelites, the Jews, we have lots of different ways to refer to them depending on where in history we're talking about mostly. <laughs> but for the Hebrews, this was a constant reminder that they belonged to God. They were God's people. It also showed them that those who were not God's people were outside the tent, so to speak. Those uncircumcised Philistines. Those Greeks. Those, you know, dirty, rotten Gentiles. After the cross, something changed. In Acts 10.45 we read this, and they of the circumcision, now the Jews kind of called themselves the circumcision. And when you read about that in Scripture, you'll see the Jews referred to as the circumcision. So here he says, And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, this is an interesting problem for them because they have circumcision, which is the token or the signature or the proof or the authentication that they are gods. They belong to God. And yet, these uncircumcised Greeks are getting the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Ghost was very difficult for them to understand and accept. Now we find evidence of this difficulty in many of Paul's letters, but perhaps Acts 15.1 makes the issue most clear. It tells us that certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. This caused no small dispute. Acts 15, 6-9 tells us that the apostles and elders came together for to consider this matter. And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth, this is Peter speaking now, by my mouth, should hear the word of the gospel and believe. 
And God, which knoweth the hearts, bore them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Do you see it? The Gentiles did not have the, the required token. It's interesting, you know, this thought came up to me today when Jim was teaching also, but, you know, the Jews, it says in Scripture, the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after knowledge. Jim was making the point this morning about knowledge and the difference between knowledge and faith. The Jews wanted a sign, this token, this proof, this authentication. So here in this passage in Acts, a link is established between circumcision and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. How do we know that link? Well, that link is that Peter, who is of the circumcision, is saying that just like for us, the Gentiles have gotten the Holy Spirit. So it's almost as though the Holy Spirit is becoming the token. Let's go on. Paul makes this clear in Romans 2. And I think this is the key to understanding New Covenant circumcision. Paul makes it clear in Romans 2, 25-29 where we find this. For circumcision verily profiteth if you keep the law. But if you are a breaker of the law, your circumcision, get this, is made uncircumcision. Therefore, if the uncircumcision, that's us dirty rotten Greeks, right? Us Gentiles. If the uncircumcision keep the righteousness of the law, shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision? Huh? Paul writes things that are difficult to understand. <laughs> 27. And shall not uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge you who by the letter and by circumcision transgress the law? For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. Neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men but of God. This is the key to New Testament circumcision. We're talking about circumcision of the heart. We find in this passage that it is not about the token or the sign. That's a shadow from the Old Covenant. Instead, it's about the substance that casts that shadow. Verse 27 tells us that those who do not have the token or sign, but they fulfill the law, will judge or show the fault in those who break the law. The Jews knew that they could not keep the law. Peter said so in Acts 15.10 where he said that the burden of the law could not be borne by him or by anybody else. Paul reveals how the law can be fulfilled. And he wrote in Romans 8.4 that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us 
who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Finally, verses 28 and 29 of Romans 2 that we read a moment ago conclude, He is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. This is a new kind of circumcision. It's not something we do. It's something God does. Paul links the token of physical circumcision with a seal. We find this in Romans 4, 9-12, where he writes this, Comes this blessedness on them, uh, comes this blessedness then upon the circumcision only, or upon the uncircumcision also? For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned? Was he in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. And he received the sign, this is the same word as token from Genesis, of circumcision. He received the token, he received the sign of circumcision. A seal. This is the same seal that we're going to find in 2 Corinthians 1.22. A seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had yet being uncircumcised, which the faith that Abraham had even before he was circumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also, and the father of circumcision to them that are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised. So he's saying here that Abraham is going to be the father of those that believe, even though they're not circumcised, and he's the father of circumcision. In other words, he's the first guy to get circumcised, the father of circumcision to those who are not of the circumcision only. In other words, it's not about what you did in the flesh, but they walk in the steps of the faith that our father Abraham had. So he's telling the Jews here, it's about Abraham's faith and it's about your faith. It's about believing in God, believing in Christ, believing Jesus. 2 Corinthians 1.22 that I referred to earlier says this. It refers to that seal. It says, who has also sealed us and given us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Do you see it? The, the Spirit has become that token. There's a place later in the New Testament where it says we know that we are His because the Spirit tells us so. The Spirit in, a, in us, He says in Romans, in fact, this, the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're His children. And in, in one of the Johns, back at, toward, the, toward the later part of the New Testament, we read also that same concept being communicated. So in Colossians 2, 9-11, through 11, we read more about the circumcision performed in us by God. In speaking about Jesus, it says, For in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. 
This is a big deal. All the fullness of the Godhead. In other words, there is no thing about Jesus that is not God. And yet he's human. We can't explain these things. But all the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Jesus bodily. And, we, and, and you are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. So all the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Jesus bodily, and you are complete in Him, who is the head of all principality and power, in whom also, get this now, you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. Not a physical thing. In putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So verse 11 says, this is in uh, Colossians 2, verse 11 says that Jesus circumcised you at the level of your spirit. You are set apart. You are sanctified. Circumcision signifies that there is a covenant between you and God. We saw this in Genesis 17.11 and surrounding verses. Verse 11 says it like this. And this is now verse 11, I'm sorry, back in Colossians. Verse 11 says it like this. Putting off the body of the sins of the flesh. This is interesting to me because, you know, I love anytime the Bible's talking about flesh and body and things. I always love that because there's those two words I keep bringing up. The Greek behind this says it is the removal of the soma of the sarks. Remember, these are the two words for flesh. The physicality, soma is your physicality, the physicality of the worldly way of navigating life, which is the sarks. In other words, it's your fleshly way of responding to things by your senses rather than walking by faith. So it says that it is the removal of the soma of the sarks, the, the physicality of the worldly way of navigating life. This sanctification, this circumcision of the heart removed our old stony heart, our sinful nature, if you will, and replaced it with a soft, loving heart and a glorious, godly nature. This is what separates you. This is why you don't really want to sin anymore. This is why you're drawn to doing the right thing. Isn't that funny how that happens? I mean, Randy loses his house down the road here. We could just go about our business. But we don't. We don't feel comfortable with that. We feel more comfortable with how can we help you. And this isn't about us. This is about Christ in us living through us, reaching out to those around us. The result of this circumcision is a new kind of person. A person that is actually righteous and acceptable to God. A person actually indwelt by the Spirit of God. Colossians 3, 9-11 lays it out for us. It says, You have put off the old man with his deeds, 
and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. This is why Paul can say things like, for me to live is Christ. Christ who is your life, he says in another place. In another place he says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The new covenant has fully replaced the old. This is true because the old provided shadows and promises, and Jesus is the one who cast those shadows and delivered on the promises. Mixing the two covenants has been going on since the days of Acts. And there are still many who would push us to live by rules and laws that are too stringent to be obeyed. The truth is that the commands of God are not burdensome. You can check that out in 1 John 5.3. The truth is that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. You can check that out in Matthew 11.30. Those who teach that we must observe old covenant rules, signs, and tokens are like those Paul warned about in Titus 1.10 and 11 where we read, For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not. Do not be fooled by poor teaching. The spirit of truth lives in you. You have fulfilled the righteous requirements of the law fully because you have believed God and it has been credited to you as righteousness. In that moment, your heart was circumcised and you were added to the family of God, never to be removed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the token and how that has come to have greater meaning as we look at the token of the Holy Spirit sealing us for eternity. We thank you for the Holy Spirit within us, and we thank you that we are in Christ and He in us. These thoughts are too great for us, but we see the effects in our own lives, and it strengthens our faith. We see it in the lives of those we care about, and it strengthens our faith. We come to trust you more and more as the years go by, and Father, we we find that the more we trust you, the more we know you are trustworthy. We find that the more we come to know who you are, the more we come to just love you. We pray that this love that you have shed abroad in our hearts would pour out over those around us this week, that you would bless them through us, that you would cause us to be your instruments for good. We thank you that All things are under your control and that there is nothing that happens without your notice. We pray you'd help us to walk in that truth. In Jesus' name, amen.